tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Hey, Macca, yep. it's been from Aydaval speaking. How's things in Aydaval, Ben? Pretty good, mate. A couple of jets flew over this morning. Something must be starting up. We're going to work, but I'll just tell you a funny little story about coronavirus. We've got a creek between Aydaval and Corby called Corona Creek, and of late we've been carting earth moving gear across it. And when you come down the hill, it's in a big valley, and it's bitumen both sides. When you come down the hill, you get halfway down the hill, you're doing about 92 because they're speed limited. You chuck her in Angel to get a few more out of her, and you take a big breath until you get halfway up the other side, and then you, you take a breath that you'd suck a 44 together with. And when you get up, up halfway up the other side, you let your breath out so you don't get coronavirus. So, How are you going with isolating, Macca? It's nothing new for us people out here, mate. G'day, this is Macca. How are you, Macca? Darren, mate, here between Port Perry and Port Augusta at present. On the last trip over to Perth, I've been home for seven weeks. One of those things that happens, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I've kept working, and I actually like going across here, so I haven't been home to Melbourne for six and a half weeks. We can't organic fertiliser out of Adelaide, and I really love it out here. You know, my partner and I have found different ways to engage while I've been away. I write to her every morning what I've seen, what I've done, and then through the day I take a series of photos, and I send them to her at night. We have a bit of a chat about them. You're a good man. Good on you, Daz. You look after yourself, okay? Maggie, you take care. They love it. All over Australia There's a radio show That Australians all know If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker They tell stories so grand Of this vast timeless land And they call it Sunday with Macca They all call it Sunday with Macca Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning and welcome. That was Darren Latterly. Uh, hasn't been over six and a half weeks. He might be home by now, in, back in Melbourne. And Vinny. Vinny, <laughs> Vinny goes down the hill. Says, Corona Creek's down the bottom. So on the way down, he goes, <gasps> takes a big deep breath and holds his breath and goes up the bottle, puts him an angel and up the other side. <sighs> and then let's see, so he won't get Corona because he crosses Corona Creek. There you go. Good morning. Welcome. 1300 700 222. That's our number. Peter Midgley says exactly 250 years ago, Wednesday, last Wednesday, Captain James Cook landed in Botany Bay sometime around mid-afternoon. Had he not done so, a French ship came close to Botany Bay the next day and would have claimed Australia as part of the French colonies. They saw Cook's ship and flag and decided not to fire upon them, instead turning around and seeking elsewhere in the Pacific. Not too far behind them were also the Spanish. The modern world was coming. Peter Midgley. Thank you, Peter. This is from Facebook. Macca, I thought I'd let you know that my husband and I are listening to your record from 1990. I've been listening to you since then, and this record was amongst my auntie's possession when I cleaned a house out after a passing some years ago. My husband recently restored our turntable that we purchased in 76. Stereo still working beautifully, and we're enjoying the music. Isn't it great? Don't you love putting some vinyl on? The kids are going nuts on vinyl, I'll tell you. The kids are going nuts. Thank you for the wonderful programs, says Anne Sanderson. Kel, can we send Anne a copy of the latest vinyl? Get on with it. All right, we'll do that. Uh, Beryl says, I often have blue wrens in my hibiscus bush looking for insects. You're lucky, lucky, like Beryl. Where's Beryl? Doesn't say. I can watch them through the window only a few feet away. I think the reason they have disappeared in your area is because the Indian miners have taken over. Just as bad as feral cats. I live in Emerald. 
central Queensland. There you go. Well, Beryl, Indian miners, I've managed to get rid of Indian miners by one means and another. The worst things that I find, apart from things you don't see like feral cats living in drains and foxes, which haunt the suburban walkways, is noisy miners, which are an Australian honey eater. They're a very aggressive bird and nothing will live with them. I remember when the the tree murderers came to our house near us and and they pulled down a big pine tree and, of course, a possum was living there, so the possum had to find him. He was running around. Well, he was harassed and chased everywhere, every which way, broad daylight, by noisy miners who are a honey leader. And they were never around my joint years ago, just like Ibis. I want to tell you about uh, a lady who used to ring our program some time ago and she rang for a for many years. Her name was Marion Libo and she worked for the geophysical surveys in Canberra and I used to call her the bombs and earthquakes lady because she'd ring up if a bomb had gone off somewhere overseas when the French were letting off bombs or, you know, Kim Jong-il. She had her own seismograph in a bedroom. She <laughs> did the earth move. She had her own seismograph in a bedroom but she'd ring me up when, or the, when there was an earthquake and, and I remember talking to her and, and I tell you this because... You never know. My attitude to life now is you never know what's around the corner. And this was before COVID came along. You just don't know what's around the corner, do you? She just returned from Cairns where she was doing a a survey, a national geohazard survey for the cities project about Cairns and, and landslides because landslides can be a problem in places, of course, where look at, look at what happened in Threadbow. And I, I said, uh, but you don't get uh, earthquakes around Canberra, do you? And, and this is what she said. We do, and on an average you'd get one or two a year within 20 kilometres of the GPO. Really? Do people feel them or is it only your machine that will pick them up? Well, it depends very much on the size of them and the time of day as well. For example, our latest one in the Canberra region was one on the Lake George Fault. For those people who don't know Canberra, Lake George is a rather vast lake out to the northeast of Canberra and the road that joins up with the Hume Highway goes along the western side of it, just below an escarpment, which obviously formed the lake by very large earthquakes many tens of thousands of years ago. And the fault that formed the earthquakes is actually under the western edge of the lake and it's still active. And we had one there just on the 1st of June, but it was a real baby earthquake Uh. and it wasn't right Uh. underneath where anyone lived. And it was a quarter to five in the morning when people were sensibly asleep, uh, curling up their toes against the frost, and so nobody felt it. But sometimes they are felt. You can get ones that are very, very small that get felt quite strongly over a small area because they're very shallow, very close to the surface here in Canberra. So we tend to feel them quite strongly, but not over a very great area. I mean, I suppose we always thought that Australia was was immune from earthquakes until Newcastle, really. Yes, well, that's partly why we've started up this new project that I'm involved in now, Ian. And in fact, it's called the Cities Project. Mm. And that's because it's short for... National Geohazards Vulnerability of Urban Communities Project. You know, if you don't get tongue-tied with that one, particularly at 7 in the morning, you're doing very well. So we call it the Cities Project, and we're actually looking at different geological hazards that affect cities and people's vulnerability to them so that councils and emergency managers can do something to mitigate the hazard, you know, to make it less of a problem for people in our cities. The hazards aren't getting greater, but, you know, we're interacting with them more as our population grows. Cairns is vulnerable to a couple of different sorts of landslides. One sort it doesn't get that people tend to get problems with in, say, Launceston or Wollongong are these rather big... So Cairns doesn't tend to get that sort of landslide, but it can get 
the little landslides that were, you know, batter failures on the road, and that was the sort of thing that killed that woman north of Townsville during tropical cyclone. Just, and I've seen ones the same size along the road in Cairns, but they didn't kill anyone. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, you can get the debris flows, which are these big raging torrents that can carry boulders the size of a combi van. Fortunately, they're very rare because you need extreme rainfall. So, you know, Cairns has grown, and people are building more on the hilly areas, which means that landslides can impinge on them more. Though, you know, the council, I think, is doing a very good job with their building approvals, and the number of houses that have been affected by landslides in Cairns has been relatively small. Nothing to get worried about. It's just interesting, isn't it, to think about things and earthquakes. And as I said, Newcastle had, a, had that earthquake, so it can happen here. But there's nothing you can do about it. There's no need to get worried about anything, really. You just get on with life and do what you can and behave properly. G'day, this is Macca. Good morning, Macca. It's Pat here from Port Macquarie. G'day, Pat. Yeah, I just thought let you driving along the beach here looking for a bit of fish, and I thought I'll let Macca know that the mullet are travelling. Oh, when the when the when the bloodwoods are in bloom, the mullet make their run. Yes, it, and the tea tree. And the tea tree. There you go. Yes. Is it, you're yeah. a, so you're a beach fisherman, are you, Pat? I I'm a retired beach fisherman now, Macca. I uh, rang you 34 years ago to let you know about the mullet. How's that? Really. <laughs> You're yeah, a champion. You're a little champion. Where were you then? I was at Iluka, travelling to Queensland, chasing the mullet to Queensland. Them years. All right. Well, tell us but, about uh, chasing the mullet. You was this for the? Because I saw this once on a beach somewhere. I don't know where I was. It was in a national park, and there was blokes chasing the mullet, and they're catching big mobs of mullet with nets. Like there was a boat outside and a four-wheel drive on the beach, and they netted it and grabbed a whole pile of it, and then they were getting the they were. I think they were dumping the mullet. They were just using it to get the row. No, it all it's all used now. There's there's uh, nothing not used. Yeah, even I'll... the scales. They used a lot of it now, and it's uh, still the same. They're still with nets off the beach. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and it's been a big year, Macca, because we've had a lot of drought, and after droughts, it's like the farmer. Yep. It uh, when you get a you get the bit of rains come after the drought. The, Fish come out of all the potholes up the river, and uh, it's been a very big year. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Um, but it's and they're they're beautiful big fish, those sea mullet, aren't they? They are, and they're a very good quality fish this year. Uh-huh. The uh, what they do is they sit in the holes up the river, and they grow bigger. And but as soon as they get enough chance to head to the ocean, they do it. And with that bit of fresh we had in January after the after the fires, a bit of floods we had brought them all out of the heads of the river and uh, no they're a very good quality fish this year yeah i saw a bloke in there uh, wading in up, up to his waist with a spear um some years ago he was after after mullet, mullet. it was in the surf like uh, the surf wasn't big uh, but he was wading around and he had a spear and from time to time he'd go whooshka and throw his spear I, I didn't see him get one but um yeah he was after the mullet he was after the big sea mullet they're beautiful fish they, what do they like to? Eating. What are they like? Are they good eating? Are they Pat? Oh, well, I like them. A lot of people don't like them. They're mullet. They're bait, but they're uh, they're very big in omega three. Yep, good for you. Uh, and that's why people don't like them. They're, they're too oily. They say, but well, I suppose the oil is the good part. it's a well, it's a bit like mutton birds. You know, um, uh, it's a bit. You've got to know how to cook them and all that sort of stuff. And I, I suppose there's a special way to cook them uh, mullet to make them uh, more palatable. 
Yeah, oh, we, we, we just fry them up. Uh, they're very nice, just cooked on a barbecue. Um, or in the early, very early days when we were younger, we'd be on the beach and we'd just put them on a fire. There and, you go. Uh, cook oh. them over the open fire. That's when they were nice. And how are you managing COVID, uh, Pat? I, it's not a problem because I'm, I'm still licensed and I can work the beaches and I can still travel up and down the beaches. So I'm not locked up like most people are. So and, and I, I am in the danger range. I'm in the seventies. So yeah, there you go. So you're still fishing a lot professionally, or just for yourself, or what? No, I just help out where I'm. If I'm, if I can anywhere, I help the boys out. I've still got a lot of friends and uh, relatives in the game. And isn't and it I'm wonderful? Yeah, isn't it wonderful when you you see as you said the fishing's really good this year. The mullet are making their run, and it's. And it's lovely. It's it's reaffirming, isn't it? I mean, it just makes you realise that we should all be looking after the environment, and it's nice. And if you look after the environment, you'll get times where you get good mullet and you good good fish, and it's uh, it's uh, very reaffirming, I reckon, Pat. Yes, we should never be importing importing any fish. They uh, we 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 should be getting enough in Australia for our means. We're not a big country, mm. not a big population, so we should be able to feed our own populations without bringing stuff in from overseas. Exactly. I wish I was on the beach with you, Paddy. Good on you, mate. Keep in touch, eh? No, don't leave it another 34 years. <laughs> okay, Macca, gee, if it's 34 years, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you never know, mate. You never know. Gilbert, never was, know this year. Gilbert was 106. Yeah, all right. Good on you. Thanks, Macca. See you, mate. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Clinton's in Catherine. Morning, Clinton. Oh, good morning, Macca. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. Are you after a bit of a weather report here? Yeah, I am. A bit of a weather okay. report for Catherine. We wish we were in Catherine. I bet it's nice and uh, mild in uh, Catherine. Well, it's magnificent, in fact. I can say now that uh, the third day into what is called the dry season here, uh, we've had the uh, driest wet season for 60 years with very little rain. Uh, normally, uh, our river would have been flooded on several occasions and some of the roads blocked off and it didn't happen at all this year uh, and there's been a bit of a worry factor about the uh, the amount of water that we may be available from the reservoirs uh, but then again I think it might come through okay but this morning here in Catherine it's a absolutely cloudless morning uh, blue skies very light breeze coming through uh, temperature is exactly 15 degrees I'm sitting in my garden here looking at my pawpaw tree which is loaded with pawpaws uh, one in the fridge at the moment, it's already ripened up. Each day, one's ripe. Uh, cut through the middle, filled up with ice cream. What a magnificent breakfast. Oh, mate. dear, oh, dear. How good is that, Clinton? <laughs> what do you, uh, it was the, was the, the wet, dry uh, north, like up Darwin Way and, you know, in, in Arnhem Land, you know, was it, was it dry? Uh, did they have a dry wet too, or did they get more rain than you got down lower down in Catherine? I think uh, most of the uh, Northern Territory was drier than normal, but Catherine, without doubt, was the driest of the whole of the regions. A mm. uh, little bit of a problem. Uh, I mean, we did need to water quite a lot, uh, gardens and lawns, etc. Uh, we're very lucky here that we have the Catherine River, which means we do have water yeah, all year round. Uh, we have had times when there has been a restriction on the amount of water we use, but uh, normally it's uh, it's there available and we can keep everything looking nice and green. Uh, I might say that, Mac, sitting here this morning in my garden looking out 
at a big uh, lot of rain trees it's just behind my fence here and these would be uh, 80 meters high uh, trees and uh, they're absolutely packed full of fruit bats uh, and each night around about wow. 5 30 they all take off and fly out of here and they head for uh, people's uh, gardens orchards etc to feed and then early hours of the morning say around about five in the morning they all come back and roost in the trees again and the amount of noise they make early in the morning and late in the afternoon is quite amazing. And, of course, uh, with the corallas, which are uh, the white cockatoo, yeah. uh, together, I mean, it's just it's like an orchestra uh, going uh, for, for ages. And it's it's magnificent to have been uh, lived in most of Australia. And you talked about Bondi earlier, and that was my first address when I arrived in Australia in 1966 uh, from New Zealand. And uh, to live in Bondi, about 12 minutes walk from where I was in North Bondi to the beach every day was uh, an absolute uh, eye-opener, having come straight from uh, North Otago, or Maroon in North Otago, and uh, to be suddenly in, uh, in Bondi was, was quite incredible. But as the song says, I've been moving a little bit further north each year, uh-huh. and uh, I moved up to, uh, to uh, Queensland and lived in Brisbane for several years, and I went a bit further north to the Sunshine Coast, and I lived in the Sunshine Coast for quite a while and got very much involved in business and uh, friends, etc. there. Then it was a bit further north, uh, up to the uh, up to Townsville, and I uh, spent 10 years uh, living in Townsville and got very much involved there. Played rugby all the way through, uh, from New Zealand all the way through to the different parts I've lived, including living on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And here I am now up in, you went west. in the Northern Territory. Yeah, there you go. What did, what did, you, what did you do uh, for a living, Clinton? What, what's your, apart from playing rugby, I mean? Well, through my lifetime, uh, I've served an apprenticeship as an upholsterer, uh, a five-year apprenticeship. I then uh, worked for a couple of different companies, and then during that period of time, uh, I decided I wanted to do something different, and I went into sales and marketing, and ended up a manager of a, quite a large company in New Zealand, in, the, in, in Auckland, uh, with a free company car every year, et cetera, and very good money, and then... Uh, Around about uh, 1966, I moved to Sydney and uh, lived yeah. in Sydney and uh, went back to my trade back. for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm living here now in Catherine, and I'll be quite honest, I think a person my age, by the way, I am still working. Uh, I'll, I'll be uh, 78 in September, and I'm still driving a school bus these days. It's like I call a retirement job, but I only do the afternoons now, and I very much enjoy it. I get on well with the kids. I don't have a lot of problems. It's a great way to get an understanding of what young people are all about today in the world, how they think, and exactly. their sort of aspirations for life. And, and they're back at school them. now, aren't they, Clinton? They're oh, back. they've been at school. The schools haven't closed here at all. Uh, we, we only had a, a break through the Easter period, and it was straight back again uh, Monday last. And, uh, you know, everything's sort of going along as, as, as you would imagine. We've only had two uh, cases here of... Uh, the virus, and that was from two people who had travelled overseas in yeah. one of those cruise boats. Uh, other than that, we've got no real problems, and of course, just uh, in the last couple of days, the parks have opened up again, and in fact, my little staffie's been sitting here staring me in the eyes, because by now, normally, I'd have him down at the Catherine River at the low-level uh, reserve, yeah. and uh, he'd be wandering along the riverbank with well, me and... Well, you know. you're having a good time. Clinton, uh, put a uh, put a pawpaw in the fridge for me and I'll see you sometime. Good on you, mate. Well, it'd be great. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you, Macca. And uh, by the way, too, the last time I spoke to you was four years ago uh, and I'd uh, run out of petrol on the Barclay Tableland. You may remember. 
Uh, I'd run out of fuel in the car and somebody uh, helped me out and took me with a jury can uh, all the way to the Buckley Homestead. I think I remember, Clinton. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check it up. Good on you. I've got a flight, Clinton. Nice to talk no to you. Problem. Thanks for your Thanks call. For, take my call, Max. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Georgie in South Melbourne. Hi, Georgie. Um, hello. I was reading on two things, one bad, one good. So I'll do the bad story first. Um, Sunday mornings, I usually get up and do my ironing and I'm listening to you. And with Australian manufacturing, I was just just feeling my Sheridan sheets, some of the ones that I bought 25 years ago and some of the ones that I bought a few years ago. The 25-year-old ones were made in Australia and they're so beautiful, cool when you lie on them. They last forever. They haven't need any ironing after they've been washed. And these new ones that are made overseas, probably not from very as good a quality, they wrinkle, they're not as nice to sleep on, and it's just another thing that Australia's lost that's you know, a bit sad. Yeah, well, but, very um, sad. And it is. Um, but the happy story is um, my son attends South Melbourne Primary School. This is the third year they've been open, and they're a bit low on funds. And in their first year, the music teacher, Mr. Paul, he borrowed 12 marimbas from another school. And the end of year concert was the children, which is basically just all preps because that was the only year level that was full that year, um, was the children playing the marimbas. And it was so lovely. And um, Isn't it, nice? what the, it is, it's a beautiful sound. And I hadn't even heard of a marimba until a few years ago. Shame on me. Um, but what he did in the first year for the, about 12 mums and in, in the second year for the same number of dads, um, before the end of week assembly, he got a few of us in about an hour and a half before assembly and gave us a quick lesson and got us playing a song together. And then we got to perform for the children at the assembly on these marimbas. And it was just fantastic. Isn't it a lovely, lovely show? I reckon all kids, uh, primary school kids especially, should should do that as music. It's uh, There's a bloke in Victoria who started it and then they were doing it across New South Wales in some schools, especially country schools. It's a great thing for kids. It's a great, it's about rhythm and music and just, and it's easy. And they build their, they build their own marimbas, some of these little schools, which is another great thing for the kids to do. And then they paint mm-hmm. them and then bang them. It's win, <laughs> win, win, win. Well, they play them. That's parents. We were banging them. <laughs> Georgie, how's... You, how's it in Melbourne? You've had rain and you're cold and down there, aren't you? Oh, it's ridiculous. Monday I had the air conditioner on and Friday I had the heater on. And, you know, you get a bit of a sore throat because the temperature just goes up and down, up and down all oh, over the yeah. place. So I reckon every person in Melbourne, you know, you get that little itchy throat and you think, oh, I might be getting a cold. But at the moment, everyone's thinking, oh, no, I've got the coronavirus. My son was coughing the other day oh, and dear. I said, oh, yeah, you're getting a bit of a cold, aren't you? He said, mummy, have I got the virus? And I said, no, sweetheart. I went to the blood bank. I go to the blood bank every fortnight to donate plasma and they hadn't been doing anything, just asking the questions, have you been overseas? But two weeks ago when I went, before you even got in the door, they were taking everybody's temperature and um, my son had to come with me that day. Usually he doesn't, but he had to have his his temperature taken too. When's he going Um, back to primary school? When's he going back to school? My money's on term four. Oh, God, help me. I can't look I think we're doing a great job containing it but it seems to be so contagious and why are they going to keep us all home in term two and then send us back in the middle of winter in term three with all the winter bugs and if the kids go back to school that means all the parents will be on the trains and in work and all those winter bugs why would they want to 
risk a big flare-up happening then. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But they reckon yeah, it's all right for kids to go. They say that's a medical advice. It's all right for kids to go to school. So I don't know. It's, it's exhausting. But look, I'm not off, I'm not as bad off as some people. I have one child and it's sort of fun to be helping him, but it's draining for me because I can't get my whole work day done. I'm Dra- lucky enough still to be working. Draining is the right, exactly word. We're going to talk about that this morning, but draining, I think, is the, exactly the right word for uh, for what how parents... I reckon parents are doing it tougher than the kids, some of the parents. That's what oh, I reckon. kids love it. He, he goes <laughs> jumping on the bed in his break, and I'm, and I'm too busy doing my work to be... <laughs> get off the bed! He's lovely, and it's... It's uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to be a part of. But and you know, it's six thirty in the morning, in Melbourne. I should still be snoozing, catching up on some sleep. But I just can't miss your program, Macca. Good on you, Georgie. Gotta get up and listen. We should. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole Corona thing's a good opportunity to maybe re re badge Australian manufacturing and get you know Sheridan sheets. It wouldn't. Be, it's not just Sheridan sheets, Georgie. It'd be everything. You know, we used to well, make pretty right. good stuff. Pretty good stuff. We do. And I was so glad to hear this week the Polly Waffle is coming back. <laughs> they've, they've received a grant to bring it back, so they're redoing the machines and they're going to get. Oh, I was just talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about that. We were talking about things we missed, and I went back to the Polly Waffle and the Polly Waffle. Taste. The Polly Waffle. Good on you, Georgie. Talk to you Lovely soon. Love to chat. See bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Uh, g'day, Macca. It's Angus calling from Musselbrook. Hi, Angus. Is it minus four there this morning? No, it's, I think I think it's about eight, eight or nine. All right, yeah. So it's a bit chilly, but um, what's on your mind, the Angus? The wind we had the last couple of days has oh, dropped yeah. off, so it's a lot more pleasant. What's happening, mate? Um, mate, I think we had a little earthquake here this morning. So oh, you think? Um, I got up at uh, quarter to four to go for a run before work, and was sitting on the end of the bed putting my shoes on, and the whole building shook. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah. Was it wasn't a wasn't a train going through? No, no, I can hear the trains and sometimes um up here at work you feel feel the odd blast, but normally they don't blast at night. So that sort of piqued my interest. There you go. And uh at the pre-start meeting I, I asked if anybody else who stayed in the town had felt it and sure enough pretty much everyone had, had wow. as far as Denman and uh, one of the one of the guys who's a local got a text message from, from someone saying that, that it had been measured at 3.5 or 3.9. So, there you go. Yeah, that was what, an interesting way to start the day. Yeah, I'll say, what do you do, Angus? Uh, I'm, I'm working on a uh, one of the mines here, doing some construction on one of the mines. Good on you, mate. Um, okay, we'll find out more about that as the morning goes through. You reckon it's about three and a bit on the uh, on the scale, eh? Apparently, mate. That, that's what I've been told. There's no... There's no science behind that. It's just a, the, the rumour <laughs> mill, but that, that's what I've heard. <laughs> Angus, good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. You too, Macca. See, See you, mate. mate. Bye. Good... G'day, this is Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. Dave McPherson from Long Jetty. Long Jetty in New South Wales. Yeah, on the central coast, mate, just on top of Blue Bay here. Yes, Dave. And just a thought this morning so everyone remembers and Thanks to the Victorian police and New South Wales police for the handover of my 15-year mate, Glenn Humphreys, a constable that was killed in the Melbourne truck crash last week. Um, His body has now reached its um, point of uh, rest for tomorrow. And uh, they've just been terrific, mate. um, 
So I'm that's very happy. that's been transferred um, from Victoria to to where, um, David? Uh, it's made its way to Newcastle uh-huh. to be brought to the uh, grounds tomorrow. Um, it arrived at 9.30 last night, but all police in New South Wales, if you read the police statements, it was very nice of them to ask trucks and um, other police vehicles to move to the lane one of the M1 motorway and for all police stations for their silence at a certain time. So it was very nice, and Glenn was such a good bloke, and he uh, he worked very hard in his life he, with university and schooling and um so I just Such... I feel for you know his mum Katie and his brother Wade, and um, yeah, and he's going to be sincerely missed for someone that was, uh, I think one of was going to be one of Australia's best people. Uh, David, tell me this: you said you, he's a fifteen-year mate of yours. How did uh, you become his mate? Uh, believe it or not, I worked for Richard Sir Richard Pratt in those days, and uh, we were building a new plant for sanitarium here on the Central Coast. Mm. And the motel I used to live in, I run every afternoon, and I met this um, kid that was uh, running and trying to lose 33 kilos. He was thrown out of school. He didn't like school. And um, I don't know, we just met. I met his mother, and then uh, I took him through a private institution in Sydney for, uh, for um, what do you call it, fitness. And we made our way through the TAFE, then to university, and for sports science, and he'd done so well that he was accepted into the master's degree for sports science. Two doctor's surgeries took him on up here. He um, won his Medicare card so people could visit him and just swap the Medicare card. And then I wanted him to get on with his life and go well, so he decided he would try Melbourne and the Air Force. He missed the Air Force because he was um, rejected because at his birth he only had a 20% chance of living through heart problems mm. but the um, the Victorian police decided to take him and he's only uh, just finished his eight, eight, eight months at the academy and this was his second week on the job when the truck um, struck the four beautiful police officers that were on the scene. Chasing uh, that bloke who in the, the Porsche. Porsche. God help yeah. me. Yeah. Such yeah, a, tra- a sad one. Uh, David, a tragedy. The only thing I, th- I think when I hear these terrible tales, and we've we've heard them before, and the young family of young four young children that were killed by a car, you know, some months ago, is you you can just try and draw some inspiration from their life and 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 try and live it yourself, so that yes. in some ways their uh, their passing has not been in vain. Macker, I think you're definitely right there. I think a lot of us all. Um or put to good strength what's happened here. All uh, right. What do you, what, comments, mate. That's a pleasure, Dave. What do you do, mate? Uh, well, I've, Glenn got me through a serious heart issue, and um, I've only just found out that I only had five and a half years to live. Glenn never told me. He was my guardian. And uh, this has all fallen into a strange story in the last four <laughs> weeks where he wrote to me and said, Dave, I want you to take me out of your will because the three girls. And um, he sent me uh, my the eulogy for my funeral. Wow. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's, I just can't understand. But uh, as I've said to most people, mate, whether you believe or not, I think God works in mysterious ways. I'll say. All right, Dave, you know. good on you, mate. And then, yeah, thank you, mate, for that. And thanks for your call. All the best. Thank you. See you, mate. Bye.
Comacker. This is Jeff. Good day, Jeff. In Sydney. In Sydney, yep. Yeah. I was just uh, about the newspaper. I believe that you can apply to your news agency and they can take it back over again and still deliver it. Really? You, go and see, you have to go and see them about it. We've done it here in my local area. Where's that? In Haberfield. In Sydney, uh, yeah. In Sydney, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all possible. Uh, at the moment, we're getting uh, one, two papers, even though we've been discarded, but they don't deliver <laughs> both papers, only deliver the Herald. Uh, uh, so you, you're still getting half a delivery if you're getting both papers. <laughs> so now we now, but now we now have rearranged it, I believe, and the, the news agency, you, you have to go and see them about it. Yeah, well, you may, but maybe you're just lucky, Jeff. Maybe you've got a good news agent and um, maybe, I don't know, but... Um, you know, I gather someone's not making money and someone is making money. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's always... A guess. That's life, that's a guess. isn't it? Yeah. That's life. Winners and losers. Isn't it terrible? Yeah. Isn't yeah. it terrible? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Yeah. still yeah. haven't gone beyond that. Oh, there yeah. you go. Jeff, what do you do? I, I work in the entertainment game uh, in like the nuts and bolts world, making things look good. Uh, like but, uh, like stage lighting and all that sort of yeah or you know you want to dress a ballroom you want the back of a stage a photographic shoot I'm the backdrop more than anything else these days so you'd be doing uh, nothing at the moment I'm <laughs> um, slightly unemployed it is it is amazing that in a what, week and a half uh, you go from you know I don't know many good things uh, festivals and shows and concerts and to nothing yeah. Uh, it's a it's a very unusual feeling. And how have you and, coped uh, with that, uh, Jeff? Uh, it's just costing me money straight up. Yeah, you know, I've got a few people working for me. I'm trying to hang on to, but you know, you know, at a few, quite a few thousand dollars a week, you wonder just how long you can keep this up for. But anyway, I'm trying to be positive, and I'm hoping that one day we'll go back and sit in the cinema one day, and or or somewhere a concert. Yeah, well, I was hoping that maybe we could have an outdoor concert or something like that might start and we could at least stand a little bit apart if that's what we have to do. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we'll have to do that. We'll have to, even when you go back, I think you'll, people will just have to, you know, uh, yeah, keep your distance, if you know what I mean. But um, your family's different. But, you know, with uh, strangers, I think, yeah, keep your difference. It's just, just it, sensible, it, isn't this, it? This weekend definitely showed us slightly more improved in my own local area. There was a few more people out and about. It was like having a... A, a slight lift. I only hope that it's a more positive. Mm. Definitely saw more people out and about this weekend, uh, which is a good thing, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, as far as Australia is concerned, and 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 all our things, I think we just have to be looking to the future and prepare for future weirdness. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the things that everybody wants to have, and uh, masks and things and gowns, and I, I got it. I mean, I'm into it, and let's do it. But uh, I think preparation, you know, no one was ready for it. No. Um, uh, you know, how, how can anyone? You can't criticise a soul. You know, no one's that good. And um, and mistakes were made. That's yeah, life. Exactly. We Especially, accept that and we, and we push on. And uh, so the next thought pattern is to be prepared yeah. uh, uh, in some way or another, knowing that we've got things in the background and... And yeah. pandemic thought patterns of the future. Yeah, exactly. And it applies to everything. You know, I think we, yep. we sometimes get blase about bushfires in Australia and we don't have them for 10 years and we think, oh, everything's yep. fine. We just, and then all of a sudden it hits the fan. So, yeah, be prepared. It's, it's a great If we knew what we knew about bushfires, we probably would have had the Army, the Navy, and everybody out there into it, like, like incredible right from the start. Yes, exactly. Uh, stopping it going on. But again, who's good to know that that was going to happen, you know? Good on you, Jeff. Great to talk to you, mate.
Good luck to you. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Good morning. This is Carmel. I'm from Kingaroy and I'm a teacher. Hi, Carmel. Yeah, I was just worried. You know, people are concerned about the homeschooling, but I wanted to just put something positive in there about homeschooling. Mm. My, um, My students do an online class with me in a program called Blackboard Collaborate. They can see my face. They can talk to me in the chat. And our school has a policy that the students are to do that subject at the same time. Keep the routine. So I see my students, I get them into my virtual classroom three times a week. And while, while, you know, I'm finding it really, really positive. I had one grade 11 boy and he was terrible in class. He never does anything. He's always talking. He's always, he comes into the virtual classroom and the work that he has been producing in that virtual classroom, because he's got no one to talk to, he's got nothing to do, he can communicate with me. And the work he's been handing in is outstanding. I, I emailed him back and I said, how come you don't do this beautiful work in class for me? And he said, oh, I've got too many people to talk to. <laughs> so there are, and the good part is they give me a tick if they understand, they give me a cross if they don't. Now, I could be teaching the class and sometimes I don't know whether they understand or they don't. They just, they just sit there and, you know, whatever. Where this little thing, if they give me a cross, I go, look, I'm going to ask you the next question and we're going to make sure you understand this. So, you know, I know it's nowhere near as good as having them in front of me and I'm really missing my students. But I wanted to say there are some positive aspects to it. You know, the students are communicating in this virtual classroom and there's even, oh. there's, there's, we're developing a new one as well. It's going to be probably even better where we can see them at the back. But, but my students can see me. I'm, well, I'm sure, Carmel, I'm sure it's great for a lot of kids. I'm, I'm just yeah, concerned I, that for some it, it, it won't be such a, a great experience. But um, And I... And I totally agree. They're, 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 it isn't as good as the real thing, but there are some positive aspects to it. And I just thought, you know, the students, the students are handing in their work. If they don't hand in after two days, you know, that this our school policy is we we ring the parents and say, what's happening with your little darling, you know? Yeah. But it's amazing the really good conversations that I've had with parents because I do that after they haven't handed things in. I phone home, what's going on? And it, it, the conversations with the parents. You know, are really valuable. Um, yeah, some are struggling, but you know, many of them. I'm still doing my teaching. They don't have to know maths. I teach maths. They don't have to know maths. If the students tune in to me, I teach them the maths. They do the worksheet and they send it in to me, and I check that they understand. In lots of ways, too, it's a good experience for everybody. It's something different, oh. and it's like a bit like Anzac Day was a different experience for people. Oh, and, that was too. And, yeah. and and you learn different things, and you have a different Absolutely. perspective, and yeah. and I think. Uh, parents especially will get a different view of, uh, um, as some teachers said, they realise now it wasn't the teacher's fault. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to say there are some positive parts to it. I know we're all negative about school and, you know, I know I'm sort of of the view that we need to stay shut down because they were predicting 10,000 deaths in Australia and we're nowhere near that. And if we keep, you know, just keeping, uh, keeping you know, going as we're going, you know, I'm happy for school to go back as soon as they believe it's safe. I'm happy to go back to school, but um, I'm pleased that it's happening the way it's happening now. Good on you, Carmel. Nice to talk to you. Okay, my pleasure. B- See you now. Bye. Uh, I'm Jean Cook, and um, I live in Latrobe Valley, uh, a little place here lawn north. And over 30 years ago, I managed the Exacto factory that was specially built in Churchill uh, because we were doing such a good job. Now, that was exactly was part of the Bradmill Industries, and they had jeans. They even made the fabric for jeans. Uh, 
windsheeters, T-shirts we made, and uh, it employed so many people. And, you know, when you think of back there and how much work it, it gave people in the valley here, and mostly married women, and, um, you know, how sad it is that all that, all that work's gone and uh, we're buying this rubbish from overseas. And uh, our factory made mostly T-shirts and windsheeters, and we had a good name because uh, one of our uh, supervisors went up to Queensland and um, she went into this shop and this uh, fellow said to her, uh, oh, you must buy one of these. They're made in, uh, in Victoria and they're the best T-shirts you can buy. And she, knew it. she came back to tell us what they said. And, of course, we were very proud of how good we were. So... Um, you know, times have changed so much, and uh, it's sad, isn't it? But we aren't we aren't working. Uh, people aren't haven't got the jobs, and and they're bringing all this rubbish in from overseas. Yeah, that's a common complaint, Jean. It was some. Um, I don't know if you were up early this morning when Georgie rang from South Melbourne, talking about the sheets that uh, she bought twenty five yes. years ago. Made, yes, I did listen to that. Made in Australia, and she just and and that's a common complaint um, that uh, you uh, often, not always, but often um, there's. Uh, you know, inferior stuff coming in, and and uh, right. I, I think after this is over, we're going to need jobs. So I don't know what if they have become manufacturing jobs or whatever, but we're going to need to employ people in in oh, for sure. various jobs. So maybe manuf- well, see, manufacturing things I, here is is part of the solution. Well, I, I I used to go down to Melbourne because I managed the factory here, and uh, Bradmill Industries was huge. I mean, I went to their factory where they made denim. You know, all the denim. Uh, actually, they made the material, they made the jeans, and uh, even the windsheet material was made here in Australia. Now, all that's gone. It all went overseas. They, all the big machines that made all that material all went over to China. Yeah. And uh, how sad if we, you know, to me, uh, I don't know, but I think you need people working here, not you know, not bringing in it from Well, overseas. exactly, and it's a common it's a common thread, Jean. It's a common thread. Listen, I've got to fly, but lovely to talk to you, Jean. And good to you too. Good Thanks, luck. Maker. Good luck. Okay, bye. bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.